video, you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin, and I hope you will join me on the rumor mill to get to the base of all those rumors from Tiger King. The icon, the legend, the Tiger Queen herself, Carol Baskin, thank you for joining us this week. We are big fans of yours. It's been a crazy last couple of years for all of us, you especially. We've seen your name all over the press with conspiracy theories and crazy things. So we just want to ask you, most importantly, how are you and how are the cats? Well, I'm doing great and the cats are doing well. It's really cold here in Florida, which almost never happens. So it's kind of weird right now. And we just did a rescue of a bobcat named Winter who was really struggling out there. So it's been a wonderful week to see her getting stronger and eating and filling out a little bit. So that's all been great. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I love that. And what a, what a fitting name for the, for the cold weather. Right. Yes. We are both cat people too. If you had any questions, we are definitely, most definitely cat people. Now, Big Cat Rescue is currently closed to the public because of the pandemic. Do you see it opening anytime soon? What's the outlook like for that? We closed on March the 15th of 2020 due to COVID. And we learned probably six or eight months later that cats could catch COVID, which was a shock to everybody around the world. And so now, Two years later, some of the zoos have started opening back up, but what's happening is the cats are catching and dying from COVID. So we have continued to stay closed, even though that cuts into over a million dollars a year of our revenue. How many big cats do you currently have in captivity? We have right around 50. And the reason it's right around 50 is because we'll have two bobcats that we can release back to the wild and then one comes in. So that number is like always shifting a little bit, but it's right around 50. That's amazing. Very cool. What makes Big Cat Rescue different from other sanctuaries and zoos? Well, I think the biggest difference is the difference between sanctuaries and zoos. And this was a huge misconception after Tiger King, because it seemed to me like the producers of Tiger King did everything they could to make it look like zoos and sanctuaries were the same. Mm. Zoos are in the business of buying and breeding and selling and I believe exploiting big cats. Whereas sanctuaries do not buy or breed or sell or exploit big cats. And so the only reason that sanctuaries like mine even exist is because we have to rescue these animals from the horrible situations that they end up being discarded from. And we give them a place where they can live the rest of their lives because none of the cats born in captivity can ever be set free. Wow. And I think that's something that was so missed by Tiger King was that was an opportunity to like educate people about what you do. And it was kind of overlooked. Like we had those moments where uh, we got to see some of the treatment of different big cats throughout the different people that they focused on, but they missed that opportunity of like educating people of even the difference between a sanctuary and a zoo even. And, you know, less than two years ago, you were just Carol Baskin, a, a normal resident of Tampa, Florida, and the CEO of a nonprofit animal sanctuary. And then March 2020 hits Tiger King comes out, you know, how did that change your life? I'm really lucky that it hit during COVID because I wasn't going out in public much. Mm. And here in the local Tampa Bay area, everybody knows me. And so I have big signs on my car that say Big Cat Rescue. And my tag says uh, Cat Rescue, I think is the name. My husband has the same tag on his car, just one letter different. And so everywhere we go, we would be stopped. People wanting to talk about cats and how much they love Big Cat Rescue and asking for selfies and autographs and stuff like that. So it didn't seem any different to me because I wasn't going out in public 
until I went to do Dancing with the Stars in California. And when I got off the plane there and people knew who I was, I was shocked because I didn't think there was any reason why anybody in California would know who I was. <laughs> I guess that means that you truly are a star, you know, you're known nationwide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I want to ask if you would give us like a day in the life of Carol Baskin, like what is it like to be the CEO of Big Cat Rescue? What do you do on a daily basis with your volunteers and the cats? Could you give us a little overview? Yeah, I... Actually, it's kind of interesting. Just last week, the woman who ran a sanctuary out in California called Wildlife Way Station died. And it was the oldest sanctuary in the country. Wow. And she had been fighting lung cancer for a long time. But one of her board members came to me back in the 90s and was visiting our sanctuary. And I was feeding the cats and cleaning the cages. And he wanted to take pictures of the cats. So I was leading him around to do that. And at the end of the day, I needed to stop and go feed the cats. And he said, you should not be as the CEO feeding cats and cleaning cages. You need to be out there getting involved with the public, getting involved with legislators and decision makers and doing that kind of work. And I'm much more comfortable just being around the cats and not around people. But I realized he was right. And so I have not fed or cleaned a cat since 1998, I don't think. Um, and I've spent all of my time trying to get the laws changed so that people can't get their hands on these animals in the first place because they don't belong in cages. And so my day is really boring from the standpoint of, oh, it must be wonderful to work with cats because I don't. <laughs> I, I'm at my computer all day or I'm like, I spent um, December, I went up to Washington, D.C. to lobby for our federal bill, the Big Cat Public Safety Act. And then I just got back a week ago from going to D.C. again, and I've already planned another trip up there to try and get enough co-sponsors that we can finally get this bill turned into law that will ban cub petting and phase out private ownership of big cats. Wow, wow. that's incredible. See, stuff like that, too, is it's like it's it's not only that you're doing so much like in big cat rescue but like it's actually making a difference like politically and i think that there's a lot of things that people like normal people like we can do um is there anything that like like normal viewers or fans of yours like what can we do to help you with that bill or to just help big cat rescue in general the biggest thing that your viewers can do if they are us citizens is to go to bigcatact.com and if they put in their name and address our system is smart. It will know who their members of Congress are, and it will give them a preformed email that they can change if they want to, or they can just send what we've written for them. It will do the same thing with a tweet to their member of Congress. And then it'll also allow them to make a call and it actually dials the phone for them, calls their senators. And then after each person, it says, just hang on the line and wait for the next call. And so you can talk to both of your senators and your member of Congress so or your house representative. And so the whole system is set up to make it easy for people to roar out for the cats. A lot of people are afraid to call Congress. They've never done that before. So call on the weekend, call after hours, you're just going to talk to an answering machine. And yet it's such an important thing that people can do to protect big cats. Perfect. How cool. That's just oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Can I ask you when you signed up for Tiger King, what were you led to believe it would be about? What was the premise? What drew you in? Did you guys see Blackfish? Yes. About it was about the, whales. the orcas. Yeah. So when they came to us, they said what they were going to do was the equivalent of blackfish, but for big cats. 
And the name of their project was called, I forget if it was Stolen World or Stolen Wildlife, but it was something like that. And so for five years, anytime they wanted to talk to us, we would put time on our calendar to take them around the sanctuary, wow. to tell them who they needed to talk to in the industry, all of the experts who were able to tell them that all of this private ownership and cub petting was actually causing the extinction of the tiger. All of this captive breeding is causing the extinction of the tiger. It's not helping. And so we spent five years thinking we were educating them to put out that kind of a show. And I think that that may have been their intention when they started, because they yeah, said yeah. that it was going to be sold to CNN, which was the same company that did Blackfish. And then they said the deal fell through with CNN. And so they never said that they changed tact or changed their ideas until we saw the trailers like everybody else did that came out for the show called Tiger King. And they had told us that Joe would be in the show, but he'd be, you know, a very small character in it because there's all of these bad guys doing all of these horrible things to wild animals that they were yeah. going to be exposing. And so when we saw that there was some show called Tiger King and it was like, well, who's working on that? Because we were working with a number of other documentarians that actually did what they said they were going to do. One did a show that exposed how the big cats in America, people wanting to pet them, was actually started because of these talk show hosts bringing on these faux conservationists like um, Jack Hanna or Dave Salmoni or Steve Irwin. And all it was was pandering to the public's desire to see cute baby animals. This was not educational in any way, in my opinion, and actually caused the, old, the whole industry of people wanting to pet those animals after they saw them on TV. And so people like Joe Exotic and Doc Antle and Mario Tabro, they created an industry to pander to those people who wanted to pet cubs and told them it was for conservation purposes. So anyway, when we saw that there was a trailer for this thing called Tiger King, we started asking around all of these documentarians that we'd been working with on other shows and nobody knew who it was that was behind it. So we sat down and binge watched it just like everybody else did. And we could not believe that that was the people we had been working with for five years had come up with this fake feud because I've never even spoken to Joe Exotic. All of the stuff that he screams about as far as like the lawsuit where we had to get him to stop using our name and we got the million dollar judgment against him and all of the attorneys and court battles and everything else, that was my husband. But instead of it being, you know, Joe versus Howard, they made it into this thing where I was the character. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I've had virtually nothing to do with this. Wow, that's crazy. Did you, I, I would have felt deceived. Did you feel deceived? Like you sat down and you watch this and you, I, I would have thought I worked with these I people for betrayed, five years. Honestly. Betrayed is a better word. Like you put five years of your life into this off and on, but for a good cause. And then you sit down and you learn this is not what I signed up for. And that was at the moment, like when you sat down and watched it, that you realized, whoa, this is not what we signed up for. Betrayed is the word that we used because that's exactly how we felt. And there was no reason for them to do what they did. I mean, there was no reason for them to make a battle up between me and Joe. It's true, you know, Joe would say hateful things about me and Joe tried to have me killed because he didn't want me talking about the issues. He didn't want anybody talking about how all of these cubs are being exploited and harmed and then ending up causing the extinction of the tiger because that goes against the message of the guys who are making money off of that. And so um, they can't argue the 
the real issues. And so the only thing they can do is make up all kinds of crazy accusations. And nobody had ever paid any attention to all of his accusations that he had made about my husband's disappearance until Tiger King. And they very cleverly wove a narrative that I, I can understand why people came away believing that I was some kind of home-wrecking, gold-digging murderer, because that was the, the portrayal that they put out there. They let all of these people say horrible things and then didn't produce any of the evidence that showed that they were a bunch of liars. Were you then, it sounds like then you weren't surprised by the reactions people had. Did you expect people to turn on you after Tiger King or was it after you kind of saw what happened, you were like, oh man, this there's gonna be some heat coming my way that's not deserved. Well, I did not think anybody would believe a bunch of animal abusers. And I thought, well, you know, anybody that believes any of this stuff, if they do five minutes worth of research, they'll find that they were lied to. So I was totally shocked when about five minutes after I watched the last episode, my phone started ringing with people just screaming threats at me and how much they hated me and that they wanted to see me dead and my family dead and that they were going to kill the cats. And I'm like, why do you want to kill the cats? And they'd say, because they don't belong in cages. And I thought, how do you not get that I'm the person that's trying to keep them from being in cages? Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the message people got from Tiger King. Are that's you, horrendous. Are you worried about those type of people and Joe Exotic fans still targeting you like on an everyday basis? Is it something that you deal with? Yeah, I do. I still get threats. And actually tomorrow I have to go to Oklahoma because the appellate court in the case against Joe for the two counts for murder for hire and the 17 counts of wildlife trafficking, that got him 22 years in jail. And the appellate court deemed that since even though he hired two different people to kill me, I could only be killed once. And therefore the sentencing needed to be based on the fact that I could only die once. And so now we have to go back to court and the judge has to pick out a new sentence. And so I'm going to tell him that um, even despite the fact that Joe's been in jail, he's been threatening me from jail. And so he, there's absolutely no way he should get less time for this. Yeah. Absolutely. Do yeah. you think that if he went, if slash when he does get out of prison early, do you think he would try to come for you again? Well, the nice thing about federal court is that you can't get like time off for good behavior. Um, you can't get a yeah. reduced sentence um, other than whatever this reduction turns out to be. I, I would be really shocked if he was given much less than maybe a year or two off of the 22-year sentence. But still, I am worried that he'd be out on the streets because he has nothing to lose at this point to yeah. actually carry through on his threats. And the same goes actually for him being in jail, that you know, as long as he can have the press pay so much attention to every word he says... He can stir up the craziest people in our society that might be more than happy to try to prove their allegiance to this new folk hero that was created through this show. Yeah. And That's we terrifying. that was something that you explored in Carol Basson's Cage Fight, which was is your Discovery Plus docuseries when you took over his GW Zoo. So he really has nothing to lose. He has no zoo. You know, he's it's kind of fitting that the moment he gains all this fame he's always wanted, he can't enjoy it because he's in prison. But when you took over his zoo, you investigated the land for proof of animal abuse. Can you tell us about what you found? Well, I don't want to give away the, um, the plot lines in mm. Carol Baskin's cage fight, 
But what we found was that so many of the people over the years who had come to us with stories of Joe cutting the teeth out of the cats and selling the teeth and the bones and um, especially the bones, all of those things, when people tell us that, but they've got no proof, no evidence, then there's nothing that we could do with that. And so going into his park and actually digging up those bodies and finding that the things that they had said were true, I think that that will go a long way toward if, if for any reason Joe should get out, I think we have found a whole lot more evidence that may put him back in for longer. Yeah. And, you know, the, another plot line of Carol Baskin's cage fight was, um, I don't want to give too much away because it's a, it's a great docu-series. I binge watched it right after Tiger King 2 because I wanted to see the different variations. And it's very clear, you know, the story that Tiger King tries to tell and then the story that you try and tell, it is still just as much entertainment as Tiger King, but it feels like it has something a little bit more, um, you know, and, and, and in that show, you and, and Howard reacted to Jeff Lowe getting his big cats taken away. Um, who do you think is more dangerous and why Joe exotic or Jeff Lowe? It seems like that's the only thing you and Joe exotic have in common is that common enemy of Jeff Lowe. <laughs> yeah, I, I think frankly that the, Joe exotic was just the dumbest of this whole group of animal abusers and exploiters. And that was why it was easy to build a case against him. These other guys are smarter, they're better at hiding their tracks, and I think it's going to be a whole lot harder for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and USDA, and um, I mean, when you look at the whole array of things that they're being charged with, there's all kinds of government agencies involved in that, but it's going to be a lot harder for them to build a case because they are smarter, yeah. and thus, I think, more dangerous. Yeah, and, and you actually ended up suing Netflix the footage they used of you in Tiger King 2, and you did not participate in Tiger King 2. Have you watched the episodes at all? What's your reaction to the second season? Yeah, I saw the trailers for it, and my husband and I were like, whoa, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this. And our, our um, release agreements that we signed for the first Tiger King, was, and it wasn't called Tiger King, it was just called what I said, Stolen World or Stolen Wildlife. But when we signed that, it said it was for a show. It didn't say it was for a series or, you know, every time we want to come up with something else, we're going to be able to use this footage. And so what we were suing to do was to get an emergency injunction against them showing Tiger King 2 until they pulled those clips of us out. Mm. And the judge ruled against that and allowed them to show it. Well, once they had already shown it, there was no reason to continue the lawsuit because the damage was already done. So that was when we, we um, pulled our lawsuit. But as far as my reaction to it, <laughs> it's too bad that <laughs> Tiger King 2 didn't get the viewership Tiger King 1 did because Tiger King 2 actually showed the attorney that they kept saying was my husband and I, that it was our family attorney. Joseph Fritz was not the family attorney. That was Sheldon Wind. But Joseph Fritz was Anne McQueen's attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, well, I won't go into all of that. But anyway, he's not a friendly person to me. And yet he produced in Tiger King 2 a document that he managed to get from the FBI saying that my husband was alive and well in Costa Rica. And it was actually the Homeland, the, the Division of Homeland, what is it, Department of Homeland Department Security? Department of Justice or was it? It was Homeland Security. Homeland Security. Homeland Security. Um, I just don't know if they call it the Division of the Department, but anyway, Homeland Security. 
they in the Tiger King 2, the person reading it is Anne McQueen. She's got her hand over the document, so you can't read the date on it. Mm. But Homeland Security didn't even exist until after 9-11. That happened in 2002. That was five years after I saw Dawn last. So it had to have been after 2002 for it to be on their letterhead that they were saying that they had evidence that Dom was still alive and well in Costa Rica. I want to know, was he still alive and well last week? I mean, before the <laughs> filming or was he, you know, was this dated 2002, 2007? What was it? So I sent a letter to the FBI asking for a copy that I could read that on and they refused to send it to me. So I went to wow. Joseph Ritt's office to ask him for a copy because clearly he's the one that got it and produced it to the Tiger King um, producers and he's not returning my calls. So next on my list is to go to my member of Congress and ask them to intervene for me. Yeah. Wow. I mean, as you should, that's, it seems shady. Like if it's, if it's, if it's a real document, like give it up because that, that gentleman that you mentioned um, who claimed to be your family attorney made a lot of accusations against you. Um, as did the alleged hitman. His name is Alan Glover. He claimed Joe Exotic's been framed. It didn't happen. Um, you know, he, I never went to Florida to kill Carol Baskin. What do you think about his retraction of that story? I don't know what's up with him because I sat in the court with him telling his story. And so for him to now come out and say that it's some other story I just, I don't understand what he hopes to gain out of that. It's quite peculiar. It's just all smoke and mirrors. It's so confusing. And, and like, who do, who do we believe, you know? Yeah. Um, what are your Maybe thoughts? Maybe the people who don't change their stories every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> True. That could, Honestly. That could be it. That could be it. It might be an indicator of who's telling the truth and who's not. But um, do you think that you'll ever write a book about your life? I've kept a diary since I was a kid. And even before Tiger King came out, there were people who were saying that I knew more than, than I was saying. And the reason that people were saying that is because in August before Tiger King, so August of 2019, there was a Wondery podcast called Joe Exotic Over My Dead Body. Did you guys hear that? I heard about that. Yeah. So the, the guy who wrote, the, who wrote that and narrated it was Rob Moore. And he had, um, it was interesting the way he did it. So he produced this, I think it was a seven or eight episode podcast where you go through the same thing like Tiger King did, where you're following this really charismatic guy and he's talking about how he's a country and Western singer and he's running for governor and running for president. And so people are being entertained all the way along on this whole thing. And of course, Joe's telling all of his stories about what happened to my husband. He didn't even know my husband. But they're going through that whole thing. And then at the very end, Rob Moore says, but here's what I learned. And he goes through all of the lies that Joe told and all of the lies all these other people told. And so you came away from it feeling like, okay, well, you know, everybody's where they belong. <laughs> and, and so, but there were some people who were saying that I knew more than I was putting out there. And I was like, I've kept a diary of every thought I've ever had in my life. And I'm just going to put it out there as a video post every single day, another page of my diary. And so I did that like a month or two before Tiger King came out. And I'm now up to, I think I'm in 2016 with wow. the days that are coming out. So 
Um, it's getting close to catching up to where I am now, but everything that I ever thought or believed is right there for everybody in the world to look at if that really matters to them. I just don't think it does. I think they were entertained by Tiger King. And I heard a Mark Twain quote that I really liked that was something to the effect of, it's a lot easier to fool someone than to prove to them they have been fooled. And nobody wants to think they were stupid enough to fall for for a lie or for a trick. And unfortunately, I think probably at least 63.5 million of those 64 million people who watched Tiger King were duped. Yeah. And I think it's easier like in public, once you go that hard at Carol Baskin, you know, and everybody on TikTok making these different videos and sounds and YouTube videos, why would they now then go watch these Carol diaries, which Tiger King 2 did use as part of their content? Yeah. Or I forgot about to, that. You're right. Yeah. They used those, they tried to pick it apart to see what they could find and did it match your story? And, and it's a lot easier than going to something I just recently discovered, which is a big cat slash Netflix, I believe, which is where you pick apart like minute by minute, the lies that Tiger King tells about you and your family. Um, and, you know, Tiger King created that big elephant in the room for you of that big question of, you know, everyone's asking, did Carol Baskin kill her husband? And, and why do you think people were so eager to believe that, that you had something to do with his disappearance? What was the, what's the fascination, do you think? I think it was because people want to, and I believe this, and you'll see in Netflix, or that page slash Netflix that you just mentioned, where I'm showing people that when you're seeing this on the screen or you're hearing this person's voice, this is what they're showing you at the same time. So they're causing you to think something is happening that really isn't happening. And this is how people were, I think, so deceived by this. But if you are going to fall in love with somebody like Joe Exotic, somebody who has tried at least twice, and I know a number of other people have reached out to me over the years saying that he tried to pay them to kill me, but the only ones that he was convicted of were these two, the FBI agent (laughs) and this guy, Alan Glover. Um, If you're going to make somebody fall in love with a guy who has tried to kill a person for speaking up to protect tigers, and you're trying to make them really think that this guy is an amazing folk hero who represents you when he's somebody who walked up to five healthy tigers and shot them in the head with a shotgun. What kind of villain do you have to put him up against in order to make that happen? And so I think that's why they had to turn me into this god-awful version of it's not even a version of me it's a version of their imagination of what kind of a person would be okay to hate enough and i think the same thing happened with what you just said once people saw that they made their determination okay it's okay what he did because she's such a bad person we should all hate carol that now that they've taken that position they can't turn around on it i mean they were They were buying the t-shirts, man. I mean, they were out there creating the memes and sharing those memes. And now what kind of an idiot do they look like if they actually do look at any of the evidence that proves them wrong? Which is why another reason why I think Tiger King 2 didn't do well, because it was the first or second episode that they produced that letter. And I think by the time people saw that, they were like, I don't want to know about this. I don't want to hear that she's not guilty. And exactly. As a result, they just turned it off. Well, and I think that Netflix kind of 
shot itself in the foot in a way because they did so much to make the first season such a smash hit, which it was. But the second season, they lost their main characters because Joe Exotic's in prison. Sure, he can call in and do his interviews from prison, but is it as exciting as watching him run around a zoo? No. And we had no new footage of you. They had to dig it up from your YouTube channel. It had to be old footage. They had to bring other people in from your life to comment on you because they lost their main character. So I understand why it wasn't as popular because they burned their bridge with you. Um, did they approach you at all to be in the second season? Did they contacted, contact you? Have you had any contact with them? We've had contact with other people who were on the periphery of this whole five-year thing from before. And what they were saying is that the producers were going around to them and asking them to sign new release forms and wanting to get new footage from them. And so Rebecca Shakelin actually contacted me and she said, hey, you know, I just want to clear the air about what happened in Tiger King 1. And I said, lose my number. Yeah. <laughs> and I hung up on her and blocked her. I blocked her emails. I blocked her phone. It's like, fool me once, shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. So oh I refused to have anything to do with her. Not again. Not again. Not again. No way. Yeah. Um, do you have a personal theory of what you believe happened to Don or where he might be that you'd be comfortable sharing? Do you have any theories? You know, for years, I thought that the, you know, Occam's razor, the most simple answer is usually the correct one. And so for years, I thought, well, his van was found at the airport, he probably took one of the planes up and crashed out over the Gulf. And that's why we haven't found him. But then to see this letter from Homeland Security saying, well, five years after that day, he, at least five years, he was down in Costa Rica doing God knows what. So I just, at this point, I have no idea. Would you be surprised to hear that he's alive and well? Would that, I like mean, today? How, yeah, today, if you got the call that, hey, we found Don, first of all, it would exonerate you. And I mean, you could hold that, you could hold that phone on speaker to a camera and be like, see everybody, I'm, I'm not who you think I am. Would that change your life in any way going forward? You know, it's funny you say that because I wonder that, like, if I were to find Don and trot him in here in front of the camera right here, and you guys were to go live with the, you know, him telling his story yeah. about where he's been and what he's been doing, all those people who don't want to have been fooled, are they going to say, I made this guy up, that this is some actor? It, the, nobody yeah. is ever going to accept it. Because they can't be proven wrong. They just can't accept that they were so easily fooled. And so I don't know that it would help, but you know, it, it, I would sure love to have that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know if it would actually help. And is, yeah. to answer your question, I never thought he would be able to survive that long by himself because I was the person who made us rich and I was the person who made sure he stayed out of trouble. And so, you know, when in Tiger King 2, it said that the way he was making his money was by pimping out younger girls in Costa Rica. And, you know, I guess even if you have a, um, a mental problem, which I believe him to have, I guess you can still make money in the world's oldest profession when you have enough dirty old men willing to do that. So yeah. that would be the only way he would have been able to financially survive without me. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know about any of that? Is there any truth to that that you can say like about the cheating, they mentioned the cheating the with minors and that he was you know, pimping out younger girls? Did you know business. about that while you were still married to him? 
not while I was married. You know, we were together for 11 years before we got married. And he had a number of other girlfriends during that period of time. And he had a number of times when he told me he had broken up with those girlfriends and gone back to his wife when I found out later, some of it even after Tiger King, that no, he wasn't with his wife. He was with some other girlfriend. And, you know, if you look at his history, when we met, I was 19. Um, But when he and his wife first started dating, she was 13. They got married when she was 14. And Yeah. And so I do know that people who were in Costa Rica had said that he had a girlfriend down there who was 15, but I believed that they were just, you know, at odds with him because he would get into business dealings with people and then cheat them and then they'd get angry. And so I thought they were just being angry and trying to get him in trouble with me. It wasn't until, you know, the police came back and told me they'd interviewed all these girlfriends of his and women that he had children by and the vast majority of them when he first started seeing them were very young. Yeah. That's despicable. Can I ask you, there is a major accusation against you in Tiger King 2 that they paraded around that um, I think it came from that lawyer that uh, Carol refused to talk to the police and she refused to take a polygraph in Don's investigation. What's your response to that? Yeah, when they first asked me to take a polygraph back in the 90s, I agreed. And I was actually in my car and on the way down there to do it. And I was calling my attorney about some other real estate matter and told her where I was going. And she said, absolutely not without representation. And I didn't have a criminal attorney. I didn't think I needed one. And so she insisted that I canceled the appointment until I could get representation. So I got an attorney and he said, absolutely not. He said, if you take the polygraph and pass, they'll just say you're a pathological liar. And if you take the polygraph and don't pass, then they'll say you're guilty. There's no benefit to it. I'm not going to learn anything about what happened to my husband from it. So there was no reason to do it. And so for months, and if you look at my diary, you'll, I don't know how much of my diary you guys have listened to, but you'll see so many entries or hear so many entries where I'm reading from the faxes that I sent to the um, deputies, Mm -hmm. the sheriff's deputies for years where we exchanged information back and forth and we're trying to find him. And I was giving them everything that I could possibly think of that might help. I even offered to pay their way down to Costa Rica to look into what may have gone on down there. And they said they couldn't do that because then the public would um, say they were helping somebody who was wealthy, whereas they wouldn't do it for somebody who wasn't wealthy. Uh, And so I said, well, I've got a $100,000 reward out for him. So if you find him, you get the reward. That way, I'm not paying you. Anybody can get that money. I posted it on cars and telephone poles and pizza stores and everywhere else around town trying to get information on what had happened to my husband. And so, you know, having done all of that and talking to the press as much as I did, trying to get as much information as we could from anybody that knew anything. And then after Tiger King came out, you know, they were trying and I was being told by people who were, again, on the periphery of the filming that they really needed for Tiger King 2 for me to be led away in handcuffs. That was going to be their finale. And so they were going to do anything that they could to try and force the sheriff's office to drag me in for questioning. Oh my God. And That's so just crazy. I couldn't even remember what the name of my previous criminal attorney was. So I had to go out and hire another one. And so people call me all the time and they say that they're um, with the sheriff's department or they say they're with the Tampa police department or different outlets. And I don't know if they're 
prank callers or not. So I just tell them to talk to my attorney and give them its number. And so then I hear the sheriff's deputy saying, well, she refused to turn, return my calls. And I'm like, I'm not even sure <laughs> whether you were a real caller or not, but I gave you my attorney's information. So I think it's, I think it's very um, unfair of them to say that I have not been willing to help. It's a yeah. dramatization as it is with everything else, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even crazier, they showed footage of you claiming that you had a bounty hunter sent to Mexico to look for Don, and this bounty hunter then claimed that he never left Florida. Yeah. What was your response to that? What's the truth to that whole story? So the reason that I hired the bounty hunter that I did is because he's somebody that knew Don. And it's one thing to give somebody a handful of pictures and say, can you go find this guy? It's another thing altogether to send somebody who knows you really well to find you. And I really thought that he'd be able to, because I figured Don, you know, I didn't think Don was really trying to hide. I thought he was just lost. And so it should be really easy to find him. So he had told me that he was researching the uh, Mexican prisons and Central and South American and so I believe that he was researching that. Now, they made a huge deal out of him saying, I never went to those countries. I never said he went to those countries. He told me he was looking into those. I don't know how he was looking into those. Mm, I was taking gotcha. him at his word because he was a friend of ours. So it seems like another example of them using footage against you. To dramatize it and make it seem like it's something that it wasn't. Yeah, which is yeah. hard for people like because you're sitting there watching it. And it's so convincing. It's just by the end, it's obvious you put them in the meat grinder like like they did so much overtime work to make that happen. And and in Tiger King 2, one of the things that stuck out to me was that they said it over and over and over in one of the episodes where they went through your diaries um, and they would cut your diary. They would edit it very cleverly because um, I would I went back and actually found the videos of the the whole entry after they cut it and it's sometimes things are taken out of context but they just kept making this point of saying you know usually when something like this happens it's the spouse the spouse is the, the main suspect and the spouse and so they almost did it more cleverly instead of calling you out by name they just made very thin accusations about the spouse and then they showed a picture of carol baskin what are audiences supposed to think? So, you know, walking away from Tiger King and, and, you know, people have seen the show or anyone else out there, what do you want people to know about like who you really are? Like who's the real Carol Baskin? I'm kind of a one trick pony, you know, I'm just, my whole purpose. Well, I shouldn't say my whole purpose. <laughs> From the time I was a child, my purpose was to save domestic cats and kittens from being killed in shelters due to overpopulation. Yeah. And this whole thing with the big cats was something I thought I could fix very easily. I thought, surely we can get all these cats out of the fur farms and people won't wear furs anymore if we tell people how horrible it is. And, yeah. you know, we did that in the 90s and it was 2016, 2018 before the fur industry really died. And the same thing with all of these people having these animals as pets or going and paying to pet them or paying to see white tigers, which is only created through inbreeding. Yeah, and yeah. so at each one of those junctures, I thought that I could fix this. And I was really naive in thinking that it was something that could be easily done, that I could just show people, look how horrible this is. And people would stop doing horrible things to wild animals. And it didn't turn out to be the, the case. So I don't care what people remember about me because it's not important. You know, people obsess over people, but I think that's a really petty thing to do. We need to be obsessing over the future of this planet. And yeah. that will be the only good that comes from my having been on this planet this time around, I think, 
is that it, it has brought this conversation into living rooms around the world where people finally know that there's only 3,900 tigers left in the wild and that they'll be gone in the next five years if we don't stop the cub petting and the private ownership. And yeah, those yeah. will be the things that save us from ourselves because we have to change the way we treat animals and treat this planet if we want to live here very long. Yeah. And after having that, you know, experience with Netflix, what would cause you to then go do Carol Baskin's cage fight? Was it a totally different experience? What, when you got that call, were you a little weary? How did that come about? We have worked with so many film crews over the years. If you actually on Discovery, they have some of the old shows that I was in, which was, and my daughter was in too, um, Fatal Attractions. We were both in an episode of that. And like I said, we've done Hidden Tiger and The Conservation Game and so many other films with other film producers. We've just never been lied to and betrayed like we were with the producers of Tiger King. Makes so sense. yeah, it's not like they're going to ruin it for me for, for all of the industry. I think they were just uniquely lacking in integrity, if, if you ask me. Yeah. And that's good to hear that because then you went on to do Dancing with the Stars which was super exciting. Um, with that in mind, are you, will you continue to be open to different reality TV projects or docuseries going forward? Are we going to get any more of Carol Baskin's cage fight? What can you tell us about like your upcoming projects? I'm really hoping that there will be more episodes of Carol Baskin's cage fight. I don't know that for sure yet, um, because we're looking to see how well this does. The, the, to our pilot that they put out there. But I've already been in several other things that will be showing up in the next few months. And so I think you're gonna find that exciting. And the Kate McKinnon piece, I'm actually curious to see how that is uh, perceived. And probably the best thing that could come out of that is right now people mob me when I'm in public wanting selfies. And so if they really love Kate McKinnon's Joe versus Carol, and they think that she's Carol, maybe they won't recognize me as me anymore. And they'll just mob her. <laughs> that would be, that would really be something. That would be perfect. <laughs> oh my goodness. Speaking of that, um, the, the Peacock show, we just watched the trailer for that, mm -hmm. um, which looked amazing. Uh, Joe versus Carol. What do you think of her portraying you? Are you excited? It sounds like you're excited. Do you approve? Well, I have no idea what she's going to do with it. And I can only assume she's going to make fun of me because that's what she does best. But I'm really hoping their, their program follows the Wondery podcast um, line of thinking. That's what they based it on. So I'm really hoping that they have a much more um, responsible way of dealing with this whole issue of the big cats and that they let people know that this is a bad thing and you should never, ever share a social media post of somebody petting a wild cat. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I will say in that, in that trailer though, we did get a glimpse at their, um, their reenact, uh, reenactment or reimagining of what you call your war room, which we saw in Carol Basson's cage fight. Um, in that, in that two hour pilot, you were going through all the different types. Of, I think there was a Lori and Mario and doc of people that you are tracking and find, trying to find Joe's contacts. Um, is there any update into your personal investigation into other people's wildlife sanctuaries and the work that you've been doing there? Well, we don't expose sanctuaries that are actual sanctuaries. We're mm -hmm. only going after the zoo owners and the yes. uh, backyard breeders because 
sanctuaries wouldn't even have to be here if we could stop all of the exploitation. But yeah, I mean, even today, <laughs> I had made a, a post on Facebook about the fact that the West Coast game farm had snow leopard cubs that people were petting. And snow leopards are one of the most endangered animals in the world. And so I reached out to my friend, Jeff Creamer, and he actually used to work for me. He's in the conservation game. And uh, I said, do you think that these cats came from Tanganyika wildlife facility? And he said, yeah, I think they did. Let me look into that. So he dug up a whole bunch of stuff. And what he found was that Tanganyika had supplied a bunch of snow leopard cubs to a place called Triple D Game Farm. A game mm -hmm. farm is a farm where you raise animals for people to shoot. Yeah. But um, I think Triple D had cats that they were using for like photo shoots and such, but they had gotten some of these snow leopards. And I, I don't know if the people on both sides of that transfer had the proper permits to do that. I'm, mm. I'm willing to bet that they didn't. So um, turns out there now are two leads of these snow leopards ending up in places that I think are just deplorable. And I'll be researching even further to see if there is a case that we can bring against them. So every day of my life, I am constantly getting tips or uh, putting together dots from things that I've seen in the past where it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think this was legal. Let's look into that. Yeah. 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 Well, it's been an absolute honor to get to talk to you. I think it's been clear that there has been quite the spin on who Carol Baskin is. We appreciate you coming out and kind of giving us your take and you kind of showing away. the truth a little yeah. bit of what's really been going on. So thank you so much yeah. for being here. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. And thank you for not shying away from any question. You're as real as they come. Um, if anyone's interested, please check out Carol Baskin's cage fight on discovery plus one more time for our listeners. You know, what is the number one thing everyone needs to be doing to save the big cats, you know, stop things like pay to play schemes and end private possession. Yeah. So go to bigcatact.com, send a letter, a email, a tweet, make a call to your member of Congress. And even if you're not in the U.S., one of the things that you can absolutely do, and that is every time you see somebody posing with a big cat or showing off with a big cat, call them out for it. There is no legitimate reason to be doing that. They're only doing it for their ego. And if every time they do it, somebody says, that's wrong, that animal belongs in the wild, that animal belongs with their mother, then they're going to stop doing it. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Carol. Thank you for coming on. Have a perfect rest of your day. <laughs> we are big fans and will continue to be. And if you ever open up uh, Big Cat Rescue again, we would love to come take a tour. I, I would love to come down there and see Big Cat Rescue. So fingers crossed. We'll see. You guys were tigerific. Oh, oh my Lord. goodness. I love it. <laughs> thank take you, care. Carol. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning into our exclusive interview with the one and only Carol Baskin. If you want to follow her and Big Cat Rescue, be sure to check them out on social media or at bigcatrescue.org. If you'd like to find more of us, you can find us at the Rumor Mill Pod on Instagram. You can find us at TRM Updates on Twitter. You can also find us at the Rumor Mill on TikTok. We post fun little videos every once in a while. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Rumor Mill. We post fun videos every week. It's a good time. It's always a good time over here. And as always, we drop new episodes every Friday. We are always breaking down the latest entertainment news. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can now also watch on Spotify as well as YouTube. And we will see you next week. See you next week.